Judges chapter 20. If you got it, somebody say, yeah. Y'all, yeah. women's night is this coming Friday. Y'all, don't start that, women. I want to hear from y'all. I don't, I don't want to hear from y'all because I knew this was going to happen. We put out 1,300 seats, and it sold out in like three days. And it's like, good gracious, we're going to have people climbing in the windows and sitting on the roof. And Don't be cutting a hole in my roof. I ain't Jesus. Don't let nobody down because we're going to send you a bill. That's what we're going to send you. But unfortunately, uh, there's not enough seats to fit all the people that want to come. That's why we need to build this building in Bowie. Somebody say amen. So we have enough seats. But what we're switching to is watch parties. If you're not a part of a Women's Connect group, you've got like four days to get a part of a Women's Connect group. And there's going to be watch parties all over the DMV where it'll be live streamed online. You can connect with your group and watch it if you weren't able to get a ticket. And this is a platform rebuke. Don't take it personal, Sonia, but it is personal. Uh, there's a couple of groups that are locked because there's max out. And by the end of the day, they will be unlocked uh, and you're going to have access. So if you've been looking for groups, I want to go to this one or want to go to that one, but it's been locked, closed up or whatever it may be. It has been unlocked in the name of Jesus. The, the door has been opened. So we're going to make sure you can find a group to watch uh, this Friday. And it's going to be, it's Union Church. We got some tricks up our sleeves. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be something. Amen. Judges chapter 20, verse 18. Look at somebody next to you say, he's getting ready to stretch my faith. He's, he's getting ready to stretch my faith. He's getting a look at a person back at you and say, I don't know if I want my straight faith stretched. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I don't, you know, let's just, let's just be real. You know how people say I'm here for it? Sometimes I'm not here for it. I didn't, I didn't come for this. I came to be encouraged. I came for you to pat me on the back. I didn't come to be stretched. Matter of fact, life is stretching me enough right now. I, I came to be constricted. That's what I want. I, I want to be constricted. Well, you came to the wrong church. This is not a constricting church. This is a stretching church. <laughs> Verse 18 says this, Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God, to inquire of God, they said, which of us shall go up first to battle against our brothers, the children of Benjamin? Y'all, this was a civil war taking place in Israel. A lot of people miss this in scripture. Yeah, the Philistines attacked and the Moabites attacked and, and all those other nations, but the Israelites, they had a civil war. It's a bad civil war too. It was it was eleven on one. It was the eleven older tribes against the youngest brother because everybody knows nobody likes the youngest. And the Lord said, "Send, send the musicians, send the worshipers, send send those who were responsible for inviting the presence of God into an atmosphere. Send Jude. Somebody say, send Judah first." Do you know the order of service is not based on preference, it's based on Bible? There's a reason why we worship before we preach. There's a reason why we praise before we worship. There's a reason why we glorify God before we ask him for anything. Because the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. It says, send up worship first before you ask for anything. Send you to first. So the children of Israel arose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against their brothers Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle around. Array. Somebody say battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out at Gibeah. Watch this. That younger brother, the little snotty nose, annoying Benjamin, that day cut to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. They suffered an outrageous defeat in a battle that God told them to fight. Somebody say, he's stretching me. What happens when I do exactly what the Bible says to do? What happens when I do what God told me to do and I lose? This stuff we don't talk about. This is, this is stuff we complain about in our prayer life, but we don't talk about in church. What do I do when he says to go to battle? He tells me how, and I lose 20, 22,000 soldiers. 
And the people, that is, the men of Israel, they encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. Father God, we are grateful. We declare you are worthy to be praised. There is none like you. God, you're a healer. God, you're a provider. You're a comforter. You bring peace to the brokenhearted. You bring vision. You bring direction. But God, we will not be a people that seek your hand more than we seek your heart. God, before we ask for anything from you, God, we simply want to be with you. We're praying that you would reveal yourself to us in a way that you never have before. God, speak to us. Take this message. Divide it up for exactly what each individual needs. And God, we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. As is typical uh, with my messages, uh, you may be a little discouraged on the front end, uh, but I'm going to make sure you're encouraged and full of faith on the back end. Somebody say amen. Uh, I, I myself am a little discouraged. If I were to say a little discouraged, it would be an, uh, uh, an exaggeration. I am a lot discouraged uh, what I am discouraged about may be something that you're discouraged about, but don't know that we're discouraged about the same thing until I tell you what I'm discouraged about. All right, Pastor, on with it. What are you discouraged about? Well, this week I looked at my retirement account. <laughs> and I'm discouraged, y'all. I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm reminded of verses in the Bible where it says things that are not as though they are. I'm reminded of the verse where it says that what you think you have, even that will be taken from you. Um, looking at my retirement account this week, I've, I've got to start exercising, y'all. I've got to start eating right. I've got to take care of my body because i got to work until I'm 90. Based on, based on what S&P and his friends are telling me, there will no be no retirement at 50, at 55, at 59 and a half. Has nothing to do with me. 65, give me the gold watch, but I can't retire then. Based on what's going on in the economy in 2022, before I was a pastor, I have a degree in economics. The whole financial world is my background. Building wealth is a passion outside of ministry. So I kind of I kind of just watch these things. At the end of September, y'all, we were down 21%. You know what 21% of your retirement account being gone means? It means you're not going to Cabo. That's what it means. It means when... When you hit 67 years old, you are going to Glen Burnie. That is going to, that is going to be your vacation trip. No sand, no palm trees, no plane. No, you will be here with me. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, God, help me. I feel like Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, we have a few financial advisors uh, in, in the room watching online in our church, I can only imagine. And, and for those of you, you're a little bit nervous because you're like, hey, you're a preacher. You stick to preaching. Leave the financial market to the professionals because you're going to give people bad advice. I promise you, I'm not going to give you a lot of advice, but I'm going to give you common practice advice, enough of what I know. The, the market is one of those things that corrects itself. And it's interesting that when a market is a down market, or a few months ago we were in a, an official economic turn, a recession, it's amazing that when the market is down, we catch amnesia about when it was up. Come on out. So this year, it's down 21%. Three years ago, when it was up 23%, nobody was crying and nobody was complaining and nobody was saying, this is too much growth, this is too much increase, this, this is concerning. We were, we, were, we were living on a high horse. Uh, one financial advisor says this, the only people who die on a roller coaster are the people who jump off. <laughs> Think about it. 
Roller coasters go up. Roller coasters go. And as long as you don't jump off and that 13-year-old checks your seatbelt properly, <laughs> think about it. You put your life in the hand of somebody who can't even rent a car. But anyway, as long as you don't jump off, you'll live through the drop and hopefully you'll make it to the... If, you're, if you don't know a lot about the economy, maybe you just started saving retirement, you just started investing, and you picked the year that is down 21%. You're looking like, this is crazy. This is foolishness. This is ridiculous. I'm getting out now. I want no part of this. But if you do a little bit of research, you do a little bit of study, you kind of watch the history of the market, you'll realize this is not the first time we've been here. Matter of fact, this is not the worst that it's been. In 2008, it dropped 57% because they were handing out mortgages like they were paper. And apparently they weren't worth more than the paper they were printed on. And, and back in 2008, when the market dropped 57%, it took 18 months to make back that 15, 57% and some. Remember 2000? Remember the dot-com burst? Remember when we were all staring at our clock at midnight on 1999 because the world was coming to an end? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of y'all unplugged your computers from the wall just in case some type of bomb was coming through and they told you your television would be obsolete, that nothing would work? And what happened? 1999 went into 2000 and... No, 77% of the market disappeared just like that. We're, we're complaining about a 21% drop in 2022. It dropped 77% in the year 2000. That year, it took 21 months to make that 77% back and to actually double since then. I wasn't around for that, but apparently there was an oil bubble burst in 1973. And it dropped 89% that year. And it only took 18 months to come back. The only one, this is where I need to stop, because the last one, it took 25 years to come back. And that was the Great Depression of 1929. That one didn't come back in no month. But here's the whole point. It always came back. It, 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 you didn't come to church for a money class, but I'm going I'm to give it to you. Any, in, in order for the market to never come back, America would have to cease to exist. But as long as there's people alive and people that need food and clothing and oil and all that other good stuff, it will always come back. The problem is, if I don't know how the market works and I see it on a downturn, I'll jump out and I'll never miss it or catch it on the... Somebody say he's preaching. He's... he's some people don't believe in the market. They believe in their mattress. <laughs> I'm just going to put my money under my mattress and it's safe there. It's not safe there. There's something called inflation, which means your money under the mattress today is not worth what it'll be under the mattress tomorrow. It'll be worth less. So I've got to do myself the due diligence of learning how the market works so I don't freak out when it turns down and I'm around when it turns back up as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. A lot of people don't know how faith works. So because they don't know how faith works, when faith takes a downturn, they say, oh, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what God promised me. This is not what I was looking for. Let me retract my faith. Let me step back into a safe zone. Let me get back to a place where I'm in full control, where things are comfortable so that I won't have to go through the stress of this situation. And one of the problems is it's because we don't know the stages of faith. So let me start here. You must apply faith if you're going to see God. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is unlikely. It is difficult. It's going to take more effort. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
God wants us to constantly live in a place where we are trusting him to do what we cannot do in our own strength. Promise you, we're going to laugh, we're going to cry, it's going to be a good time. Can I just talk about Stephen? And you, I do this every week. I'm going to throw myself under the bus because I don't want to be an offensive pastor. I'm really talking about you, but I don't want you to know I'm talking about you. So, so I'll say it, it's about me, and then you could just jump under the bus with me. Is that cool? As I was preparing this message this week, and I, I came across, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I began to think, how many areas of my life because I feel fully in control, I am not applying my faith in that area. Come on, think about it. When's the last time you applied your faith to your finances? If you're in a season or a position where you do not have enough, then yes, you're believing God that he's going to give you increase or that he's going to expand your business or give you a job or whatever. But what about those of you who have enough? What about those of you that your check hits first and 15th at 2 a.m., direct deposit twice a month, you don't even think about it, your tithe is on automatic withdrawal, you don't think about that either, it's just, it's a given. Are you operating your faith in that area, or are you cruising and coasting? I remember when I was single, God Almighty, why have you left me here? My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? I'm, I'm decreeing and declaring. I'm, 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 I'm declaring. I, I, I shall find my rib. God will send me my good thing. I will find favor from the Lord. Then you get married and you have kids and life is good. Then you begin to think, what's the miracle I'm believing for God in my marriage? One of the great things about being a Christian is your future is secure. Somebody say amen. amen. One of the negative things about being a Christian is your future can be so secure that you stop thinking about it. And you stop thinking, God, I want to know you more tomorrow than I know you today. God, I want to see you demonstrate your power in my life tomorrow more than you did today. God, like, like Moses, I want to know you like I've never known you before. I'm just talking about me. This has nothing to do with you. But if we're in this room together, Columbia, how about we think about this? What parts of our lives are void of faith? What parts of our lives have we stuck in an autopilot? in a presumption and assumption that it's just going to be okay because the Bible says wherever there is no faith, God is not pleased because he wants to do something supernatural in every single area of your life. Somebody say, teach me. Come on, shout it. Somebody say, teach me. Teach me how to work my faith. The first thing, write this down, write this down. You must take a step. You must, what, what is faith? Faith is something that you believe so much that you're willing to act on it. Uh-oh. If you're not, I, I have faith that it's going to work out. How do you know? I just feel it. Nope, that ain't faith. Might be a premonition, but it's not faith. Might be goosebumps or karma, but that ain't faith. Faith is, I so trust that God is at work in this area. I am going to act on my trust. Here it is, the children of Israel. They, they are at war against their brethren. This, this is something that they are not certain that God is for. I know God's for me when I'm going against the obvious enemy. And I know that the tribe of Benjamin, if you read prior, they had committed a horrific crime. And, and God has said, I cannot allow that to sit. But here's Israel saying, is God really with us? God said, I'm with you. Send Judah first. What did they do? They got into battle formation. They didn't just say, God, okay, I know you're with us. When we see the enemy show up, that's when we'll, no, no, no. They got on their armor. They kissed their wives goodbye. They went up and they lined up. You've got to understand what happens when you get in the battle formation. The enemy sees you. And when the enemy sees you, the enemy understands that this battle formation is a declaration of war. 
It is. We are now coming to oppose you. There is no such thing as faith without taking a step. James chapter 2 verse 17 says this, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. One of the stories of Union Church has been faith step after faith step after faith step after faith step. And I try to tell you the story in a way that builds your faith in a way instead of a way that discourages you. Can I tell you this story in a way that discourages you? I was praying and fasting for 40 days. I turned on my right side for 40 days and I turned on my left side for 40 days and angels brought me bread and water every morning and the voice of God spoke to me. He said, Stephen, my beloved, I have called you to move the church from Baltimore to Columbia. It will grow. It will increase. I will multiply all that you set your hands to do. Thus saith the Lord. Sounded good, right? Only problem is that's not what happened. Actually, it was nothing close to that. It was actually a sense of, I think we need to make this move. I think this is God. God, is this you? All I heard was cicadas. And it was a, all right, let's go. God, you still with me? Crickets. Going to wise counsel and pastors and leaders around. Does this sound like God? It sounds like God. Are you telling me it's God? Nope, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to tell you it's God. You ain't going to get me jammed up. (laughs) They think it's God, but they're not sure. I think it's God, but I'm not sure. I look at my word and I'll talk to you about how to be sure. But but it's this. uh, Pastor Sonia, this might be TMI. And then I get up in front of the church and I say, God is leading us. And this is where we're going. It's like a press conference at the White House. Pastor, are you sure? No questions. We're not taking any questions today. No, no, no questions, no comments, no commentary on today's briefing. We are just giving you information and going. Don't ask me if I'm sure too often. I might get emails this week. You're going to see a miracle. You're going to have to be willing to take a step of faith. If it's a step of certainty, Columbia, it's not faith. If it's guaranteed, it's not faith. And and, oh, it drives me nuts when it's not guaranteed because that's uncomfortable. But God says, that's right where I want you to be. When's the last time you took a step of faith in your marriage? What does that look like, Pastor? When was the last time you brought up a topic that you're scared to talk about? When was the last time you sat down and you came up with a new dream? Come on now. When's the last time you took a step of faith in your finances? When's the last time you took a step of faith in your faith? What does that look like? It looks like getting crazy. It looks like waking up Monday morning and saying, God, I don't want to pray this, but pastor told me I have to. God, send me somebody this week to share my faith with. God, give me a word for somebody this week. God, God, put somebody on my heart that I can agree. God, use me, not just for me, but for your kingdom. Pastor, I, I don't know what the step of faith I should take. Can I tell you one major step of faith that you can take and should take? Tell somebody. Just tell somebody what you're believing God for. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says this, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, watch this, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. One of the greatest steps of faith that you can take is declaring what God is going to do before he does it. 
God went to Abraham and he said, Abram, you're going to be a father of many nations. He said, no, I'm too old. My wife is too old. We can't have children. He brings him outside of the tent. He shows him the stars. Count the stars if you can. You're going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky. It was 25 more years before it happened. God said, Abram, just so that we make sure this happens, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. And I'm changing your wife's name from Sarai to Sarah. What does Abraham mean? Father of many nations. Homie don't got no kids. He's talking about I'm the father of many nations. Sarai, mother, she old and barren, unable to have. Could you imagine how awkward it was? When they would go to a restaurant, Abraham and Sarah, they would go up to the hostess and they said, we have a reservation. What's the name on the reservation? Father of many nations. Mother of many. Table for two. Will your kids be joining you? We have none. Then why do you call yourself father of because I'm living by, why, why was he called the father of faith? Because he said, I'm going to trust God enough to say what he promised me, even though I see no evidence of it coming to pass around me. I wish I had some people that were still believing for a healing in their body that had the faith to say, by his stripes, I have been healed. I'm waiting for it to come to pass in the reality, but it's already taken place in the spiritual realm. I'm believing that God is going to open a door, so I'm going to declare that door open before it even opens. I wish I had some people that were crazy enough to just start declaring what God is going to do over your life before he even does it. I know I'm battling with anxiety and stress right now, but I'm telling you, I'm a person of joy. I'm a person of peace. I have so much joy. I bring joy to other people. I wish there was somebody that had some student loan debts that could start to declare, God's going to use me to pay off other people's debts. I'm going to be generous on every single occasion. It may sound crazy, but if it doesn't sound crazy, it's not faith. Y'all getting me fired up right now. If our language sounds like people who don't believe in our God, they talk it safe and we talk it safe. I, I don't want to get out ahead of my skis. I, I don't want to say something and then it not come to pass. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to live by faith. So I'm going to say Philly before there is a Union Church Philly. I'm going to say 14 campuses before there are. Pastor, how sure are you that we'll have 14 campuses? No questions, no questions, no questions. <laughs> Write this down. Second thing is this. You've got to expect a response. You have to res expect a response. Okay, this is, this is interactive preaching. I don't know if you knew this, Columbia. Look, look, look at your neighbor and say, we just got set up. <laughs> Come on, they don't, they don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> look at it one more time and say, it's not the response you think. <laughs> if you live by faith, you declare what God's going to do. Yeah. And God does a miracle in your life. Somebody say, Amen. What is a miracle? A miracle is something that I can't take credit for because it's not based on my effort, my skill set, my background, or my preparation. It's based on the sovereignty of God and his supernatural hand coming to pass in my life. Somebody say amen. If you step out on faith and God does a miracle, who gets the credit for the miracle? I'm going to say it with your chest. Who gets the credit for the miracle? Right? Who does not want God to get any credit? The enemy. So who is going to oppose you the second you declare something in faith? The second you decree and God is going to do this. This is, this is the part that we don't preach about. That God says, go out, you lose 20,000 soldiers in one day. Come on now. 
We had our, 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 our limitless offering a few months ago, and everybody prayed and heard from God and, and gave sacrificially. The way that this church gave is unbelievable. You know what we don't talk about after we took that step of faith? The amount of transmissions that went out. <laughs> the amount of dishwashers that gave up the ghost. <laughs> the amount of 30-year roofs that only made it to year 17. <laughs> Somebody felt that one. <laughs> How are we getting tornadoes in Annapolis? Are you kidding me? This ain't Tennessee. This is a tornado country. What? The enemy always opposes anybody that dares take a step of faith. I wish how we could walk through scripture where the man who had a child who struggled with seizures brought him to Jesus and the child was fine until the healer stepped into the room. And then when the healer stepped into the room, that child had the worst seizure it had ever had in its life. And Jesus was unfazed because he knows that when a miracle is about to happen, the enemy will do his best to terrify, to discourage, to Take your faith. Come on now. And because we don't know the trajectory of faith, when the faith market dips, we jump off. I didn't know that when I started praying for healing, I'd feel worse. I didn't know that when I started praying over this child to come back to Christ, that they would begin to act out even more. I didn't, I didn't know that when I started believing God to increase in my business, that employees would start quitting and, and I would start losing contracts. You've got to know that when you get in a battle formation and you say, I am moving the kingdom of God forward and God will receive glory from my life, it is guaranteed that the enemy will respond. I love how gangster Israel was. They heard from God. They responded to God. They lost. You know what they did next? Verse 22. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves. And again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. What did they do the day after their biggest loss? They went into their pep closet and they said, God is not like man. He cannot lie. If he said it, he will do it. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. He said he's with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Put your shield on. Pick up your sword. Grab your helmet. We're going back out there because God is going to do what he said he is going to do. There's certain parts of the Bible that I don't like. <laughs> Can I be honest? All of it. <laughs> because if you track the journey of everybody that God used, it's no fun. Let's just start with the big one. Jesus. Got good news, got bad news. It's the good news. Good news is really good. You're going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Jesus know how God worked, though. He said, uh-huh, uh-huh. But what's the other side? Oh, yeah. And Satan's going to hang you on a cross. And you're going to die, not a God death, but a human death. And you're going to actually have to go to hell and grab the keys from Satan. And you're going to be good and dead. I mean dead for three days. But it gets better after that. Come on now. Saul, we're going to use you. You will be the first missionary to the Gentiles. God's going to use you for miraculous. You're going to raise the dead. All that we know about Christianity outside of the Jewish world is going to come from you. But first, we're going to banish you to an island by yourself for three years. Y'all remember Joseph? You know what we don't talk about? Joseph had no problems until God spoke to him. <laughs> this, is, this is not preaching that you're supposed to preach. And, and I'll tell you in the end why it's worth it. But, but sometimes I'll be like, God, don't talk to me. Don't, don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't. Huh? 
Did you hear anything about Joseph's brothers hating him? Anybody want to kill him? Anybody trying to feed him to the wolves? No. Then all of a sudden, God gives him a dream. And he said, I believe, therefore I speak. And he told all his brothers his dream. And what happened? All hell breaks loose. First of all, they're like, let's kill him. And they said, no, we can't kill him. We're Christians. Good point, good point, good point. God. I know we're Christians. Let's sell them into slavery because that's so much more godly than killing them. Next thing you know, he's in slavery. Then he's accused of a crime he didn't commit and he's thrown in prison. Then the people who actually committed the crime make parole. They forget about him. The parole hearing won't even hear his case. I was fine until God spoke to me. And then look what the Bible says in Psalm 105, that God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Watch this. Until the time that his word came to pass. Come on, leave the verse up. Appreciate somebody next to you. Tell me your word is coming. Your word is coming. Your word, your word, don't give up. You can cry those tears, but don't give up that faith because that word is coming. You can be discouraged and then go back to encouraging yourself in the Lord because that word is coming. Not one word he has spoken shall return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. Until the time his word came to pass, watch this. Okay, yeah, but come on, where's my grammarians? Until the word that his word, somebody say my word. There's a prophetic word over your life. And until that word comes to pass, the word. There's your word and then there's the word. The word is what he's doing over your life. The word is what he is and has promised to do. It says the word of the Lord tested him. How do I make it through a faith downturn? How do I make it through when what I'm believing God for, everything in my life looks the opposite? If you don't have the word of the Lord, you will have nothing to hold on to. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is not presumption, it's not hoping, it's not well-wishing, and it's not optimism. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You don't have faith unless you have substance. And evidence. You need a word from God. God said it. Because he said it, he will fulfill it. I've told this story before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but when God laid on my heart, we need to move uh, the church from Baltimore to the Howard County area, and I just, just called up spade to spade. I felt like a sellout. Baltimore, where I was born, raised, called into the ministry, it's where my heart was and is, and I feel like I was abandoning the place that God had called me to. And I'm wrestling with this sense of, I feel like this is what God's calling me to do, but I'm not sure. And there's a prior message that I walked you through how to get a word from God. I began to fast and pray and worship. I said, God, give me a word. And I sat down and I prayed. And then the Holy Spirit said, read Jeremiah 29. If you've been coming to Union Church for some time, you know Jeremiah 29, 11 is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When the Holy Spirit said, read Jeremiah 29, I said, that can't be God. That has to be my conscience. Because God would not send me to my favorite verse. That's too easy. Next thing I know, the Holy Spirit said, read the whole chapter. I read the whole chapter. It says, leave the city that you're from. Go to a foreign land. Pray for the peace on that land. Buy homes, have children, and establish yourself. Me and my wife had no kids. We were looking to purchase a home at the time. You've got to understand how my heart was exploding. And he said, and at the right time, I will send you back to your land. And I will bring revival in. Now I've got some substance to my faith. Oh, Mandela, can I tell the story like I need to tell the story? So I stand up in front of the church and said, hey, we're moving to Howard County, and God's given us a permanent building. It's a miracle. It's going to be great. What happens when that deal fell through? You see, this, this, this is the preachers don't preach about. Now I got to go back and tell the church I was wrong. God, do we, do, we, do we still leave Baltimore? The only reason we were leaving was for that building. No, I've got some substance. 
I've got some evidence. Yeah, the enemy has responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going the way that I thought my faith was going to produce, but I have a word from God, and I could stand up and say, hey, guys, it's not what I thought it was going to be. We're not going to go to the building that I thought we are going to. What building are we going to? Uh, high school, high school, high school. It's not our building. We don't own it. We're going to set up and tear down every Sunday, but God is going to move. Next thing we know, we move into this building. Thank God we didn't go into the permanent building that could only seat 300 people because there was over 750 people coming after 18 months. And that building that we would have to sign a 10-year lease on would have become obsolete. The enemy always plays himself when he's trying to oppose. You've got to know. You've got to know that that faith downturn is coming. Don't let it shake you. Third thing, write this down. Some of y'all are getting comfortable. For some reason, this day, God gave me four points to the message, not three. When the tide turns, hold on. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also? Free? Somebody say freely. Freely give us all things. There's a, there, there's a few restaurants like this. Um, Though, you, you, you know those Brazilian steak restaurants where, it, I don't even know what you call it, because it's not like you order from a menu, but it's also not like a buffet, because you don't even have to get up. They come to you. I, 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 I went to one for the first time, actually, when me, me and PZ were on vacation in Puerto Rico, and they found out they're all over D.C., and I'm just like, I didn't notice it. This is what heaven must be like. So you go in and you sit down and, and they kind of walk you through. What do you want to drink? Here's some, you know, entrees and all that other good stuff. And they said, okay, you've got this little dial from heaven. One side is red. The other side is green. As long as the red side is up, these angels from heaven with slabs of steak and pork and chicken and, and, and bacon wrap filet mignon... They will walk past you as if you don't exist. I'm like, when are, when are they coming to my table? The waiter came back and said, let me remind you. When it's red, they walk by. But you flip that thing over to green. And I'm telling the angelic host... They come from every day. Would you, would you like a piece of filet mignon? I said, I'll take a slither. They just push the whole slab right on your plate. Come on. You've heard of a beef shank? It's like a cow leg. The whole leg just on a platter. And they just drop it on your plate. And it's all just wrapped in bacon. Like, I believe that the Bible would be better if it was wrapped in bacon. I mean, bacon just makes everything Somebody say, get back to the Bible. Ask for rain in the time of rain. Here's what happens to people's faith. Because you were caught off guard by the downturn, because the amount of time that it took for your word to come to pass was longer than you expected, by the time God begins to open doors miraculously in your life, by the time he begins to do what he always said he was going to do, but you started to doubt that he was going to do it, you start to act shy around your miracle. You, you, you so it's, it's this turn. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Come on, you ever been around somebody like that? Man, I heard you got a promotion. Yeah, but it's so much more responsibility. <laughs> Congratulations, you, you, you had your third kid. Yeah, I don't know if I remember how to parent, though. It's been a while. This is good. Man, I see you growing in your faith. Yeah, but who much is given, much is required. Who knows what God's going? Can we, can we just talk? You know what you're doing. You're trying to balance for disappointment. 
You're trying to say, let me not get my hopes too high. Because if God lets me down, then I'll be devastated. No, 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 no. As for rain in the time of rain, Israel went out one day. They lost 22,000 soldiers. They went out the next day. They lost 18,000 soldiers. In two days, they lost 40,000 soldiers. You know what they did on the third day? They showed up again and they said, God, you're faithful. You are who you say you are. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. What shall we do? God says, go out. And this day, you will see your enemy defeated in front of you. They went out and struck down 5,000 Benjamites in one battle. The Benjamites began to run. You know what they did? They chased them. They didn't say, now let that be a lesson. We're going back home. They said, no, this is the moment of victory, and I am going to maximize this victory for everything that it has. Hey, we've been reviewing your resume, and we determine your work is great, and, and we're going to give you a promotion, and it comes with a 5% raise. Wow, thankful. I'm grateful. That's amazing. But I understand that right now where the economy is, and inflation is somewhere around 9%, and, and our competitors are giving out these benefits, so I want you to know that I'm grateful, but it's 5% all that you can do. I heard other people are doing 10%. Maybe I can get some stock options. Maybe I can get my own office. I'm tired of in this cubicle. What else you got for me? Somebody shout, ask for rain in the time. You've got to learn when you're in a season of favor to act like you're favored, walk like you're favored, talk like you're Last thing is this, write this down. It's time to take another step. Are you offended if I say the Bible irritates me? You know I'm joking. I know some of y'all are a little sensitive. Pastor. You can't say that. It's God's word. I know. I'm trying, as the young folks say, I'm trying to keep it a book. What are you saying, Pastor? Can I, can I be real? This faith thing ain't easy to live. And I think I'll do you more of a service by telling you it's not easy to live so you're ready to go for it than telling you it's all lilies and roses when that's not the case. <laughs> go ahead and play. I'm done. Can I tell you what happens after a miracle? God begins to block the actual miracle he just performed. It doesn't even make any sense. Judges chapter 5 verse 12 says this. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Children of Israel, they were in the wilderness. They were starving, and God performed a miracle. He provided bread in the morning and meat at night, manna and quail, crispy cream and Chick-fil-A, whatever you. And we use that to talk about how God will sustain you in the trial. I've heard so many messages about when the manna started. I haven't heard a lot of messages about when the manna stopped. We talk about, oh, God started a miracle. We don't talk a lot about, oh, well, he stopped. Remember that job that was a miracle job? And now the grace is lifted and you feel like you're being forced out. And it's like God is letting that happen. Why? Because the second a miracle is no longer a miracle. Is the second God is getting ready to move you on to something new. If I'd be honest with you, I just want to live off the last miracle. God, that was great. That was amazing. Mama, we made it. And God has said, don't you remember how this started? Without faith. Without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. And, and that doesn't take faith anymore because I've done that already. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I'm going to make a river in the desert. Hear me. There's a new miracle in front of you. There's a new level of influence that God wants to take you to. 
There's a new glory that he has for you. You're going to have to take another step. You're going to have to fight another battle. You're going to have to get over the disappointment of that battle so you can maximize the season of favor when it comes. But hear me. Your best days are ahead. You are not living in your best days. They are ahead of you. And God has more for you than you could ever imagine. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you're taking us on a journey that's uncomfortable. But it's a journey that makes our lives, gives you glory over and over and over and over and over again. If it had not been for you, God, on our side, we wouldn't be where we are. And we wouldn't be where we're going. Come on, just where you are. Can you just open your hands? You don't got to lift them up. Maybe, maybe just keep them in your lap. But just as a sign of receiving from God. God, I pray that you'd strengthen us. God, some of us are exhausted. We're tired. We're weary. God, you said they that wait on the Lord, their strength. God, strengthen us right now. God, some of us have lost hope. God, can you restore our hope? Can, can you give us vision? Can, can, you, can you give us fortitude? Some of us faced a battle and we didn't come. God, teach us how to encourage ourselves. And to know that you're not like, man, you cannot lie. You said it and you will do it. Where we are, if you could pray this prayer, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just allow God to minister to your heart. For some of you, the biggest faith step you need is to give your life to Jesus. A lot of people say that they believe in God, but your actions and your words don't line up with it. And today's the day that your works need to line up with your faith. If you say, Pastor, I don't just want to believe in God, but I want to pursue him. I, I want him to be the center of my life. Your, your step of faith today is to declare it with your mouth. If that's you, pray this prayer as a declaration unto God. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you see me, that you're for me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and my mistake and that I'm brand new in you. Today, I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?